It's always a pleasure to come into the house and meet my cousins, my uncles, my grandparents, and, and the Lord. We got a big family. Our family is all over the world. It's not just us. It's not just us. We're all over the world, the body of Christ, universal body and the family. And the common bond is Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed on the cross. I'm going to get right into the word. Um, I'm going to go to Joshua chapter 1. And um, if you put up that first slide, a season of transition, a season of transition. Usually I, I seek God in prayer time and, and, and want to get a word from God as to how to direct me and how to do life for the particular year that I'm moving into. Last year he gave me three words, was uh, his presence, perseverance, and resilience. And I held on to those words and I, I meditated upon them and I, I studied them and used them in, in my life in terms of getting through the year. And this year was transition, uh, a season of transition. We're always going through transition. I didn't say change. Change, I'm going to talk about the, the difference between change and transition. Change is the event. Transition is the process we adapt to, to the change, how we adapt to change, how we respond. And we're going to talk a bit about that this morning. But, um, and our church is going through quite a bit of a transition as well. We just had a, 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 a bit of a change where our lead pastor, our senior pastor, stepped down. He resigned suddenly. And um, so we're in transition mode right now. Stable but transition mode. So I want to read Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. How many have your Bibles with you have your, or your phones or your word? You got to have your word. You got to love the word of God. Amen. Praise God. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, assistant, saying, God is a speaking God. God has a voice. God speaking. This is what the Lord said. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan. You and all this people. Everybody say all. Don't leave anybody behind. To the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot would tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man, oh glory, no man would be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I can stop right there. Oh, glory to God. I will not leave you nor forsake you. This is God speaking. Be strong and good, of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance of land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, had commanded you. Do not turn to, uh, from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. How many of you know God wants us to prosper? God wants us to flourish. God wants us to succeed. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in a day and night. That sounds like 24 hours a day, continuous, not just on Sunday. Ouch. 24 hours a day, day and night, 24-7, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosper, and then you will have good success. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord our God is with you wherever you go. Praise God for his holy word. 
We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into the house. This is your ministry. You bring revelation. You bring clarity to the word. Let your ministry be active and powerful in our midst today. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Glory to God. Before I get into transition, give you a bit of background history on, on, this, on this, this story here. This is Joshua. It's his time now to transition into leadership. He's been prepared. If you read uh, Deuteronomy 31, you can see the preparation of Joshua for this transition. So I want to say one thing regarding transition. God always prepares us on you for a transition that he's moving you into. There's always a preparation. The things you go through in life are preparing you for the next move that God wants to direct you into. He wastes nothing. And so God had prepared Joshua for such a time as this. And Joshua had a heart for God. He, 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 he saw the glory of God upon Moses. Moses was like no other. He, he, God spoke to him face to face. And the glory of God was upon him. The presence of God in his life. And Joshua was attracted to Moses. So wherever Moses was, Joshua was. He wanted what Moses had. He wanted what Moses had. He wanted the same God that Moses had. He knew that one day he'd be stepping into leadership. Now, when, when Joshua came into this leadership role, he had to be around 50, 60 years old. He wasn't a young guy. He was older. Because Moses lived to 120. You imagine leading over 2 million people at 120 years of age? <laughs> you need Jesus on that one. <laughs> And the Bible said that when Moses passed away, that the people, if you go back and read, I want, I want to read something to you. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. So the people mourned. And you got to understand, they're on a journey moving into the promise that God has for them. God is a movement. He's not a monument. He's a movement. So he's about moving into the destiny, into the purpose that he has us, for us to do. He wants us to move into them. However, he gave them 30 days to mourn. God is a God of compassion and merciful and loving. He understood the, the, the nature of grief and how you need to take time out to mourn. But he gave them 30 days and it said that it ended. And I want to speak to some of us in here today who, who are mourning over lost loved ones. I mean, we, we understand the mourning, the grief that you go through. But it was never to, to stay there, to, to get locked down and be him in between and not move forward. It has to come to an end in order to move into the things that God has for us. There's a song I sing. Uh, 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 I forgot. You too. You got to get yourself together. You're stuck in a moment. You can't get over it. Some of us are stuck in a moment. And God said, I want you to move. It's time to move. You, you mourn long enough. It's time to move. Not that you forget those memories, but don't let it hold you back in your attitude and in your physicalness in terms of moving forward into the destiny and the things he has for you. We all go through loss. Whether it's a lost loved one, whether it's loss of a job, whether it's loss of our finances, loss, we just go through loss. It's a part of life. But don't get stuck. Even though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. And so he wants us to get through. Get through. Don't build a camp there. Don't build a house in your grief. Don't build a house and live there in that grief. It's time to move forward. Because God is a movement. He wants to take you into the promises today that, are, that, are, that concerns Jesus Christ. He wants to move into those promises in order that you can enjoy life and do life well. Amen. Praise God. So here we have um, Joshua. Now, 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 God calls Joshua and says, okay, okay, it's your moment now, Joshua. 
It's time to move in. Okay, the morning is over. It's time to move forward and take the people into the promised land. It's time to step into your transition, into your calling. So rise and stand to your feet. Rise and stand to your feet. It's time to move. It's time to move. I want to share something with you. Every encounter with, if you go to this next slide, every encounter with God involves change. Every encounter with God involves change. From the Genesis to Revelation, when people encountered God, there was change. Change in attitude, change in emotions, change in physical position. It, it involves change. And change. Definition, to make a difference. It's change is constant. Change is the event. And change is movement. I mean, when you come to Christ Jesus, and when you had your encounter to be born again, you change. God changes. The miraculous power of God. The Bible said that God took out your old stony heart that was rebellious and full of sin and gave you a new heart. And then he put his spirit in it that caused you to walk in his ways. That was change. Repentance, change. So God is in the business of changing us, of, of transforming us. I mean, 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that, uh, that, that we, we, as believers, we behold Jesus with an unveiled face. We can see Jesus for who he is. And when we see the reflection, the beauty of Jesus is something inside of us. You know what? I want to be like that. I want that reflection to become me. And the Bible says as we yield to that, the Holy Spirit transforms us into that level of glory. And then you wake up the next day, it's another level of glory. And then as you go through life, it's another level of glory. So you're constantly changing. Change is constant. It's imperative that we change. You can't stay the same. You cannot remain the same as a follower of Jesus Christ. You cannot remain the same. You got to change. It's about change. It's about growth. It's about maturity. It's about development. Change! He's the greatest transformer that ever lived. And still alive today. Mm. So change is to make a difference. It's constant. It's the event. It's the movement. Uh, you, let, me, let me read here. Um, transition is a process to adapting to change. So the transition is how you respond to the change. It's the before, the during, and the after. How you respond to change. That's what we're going to look at today. Transition. How do we respond to change? Uh, there's a statement that I... Uh, I read a couple of years ago that I hold dear to. The only thing you can change, the only thing you can control in life is how you respond to life. The only thing you can change in life is how you respond to life. The only thing you can change in life is how you respond. And responding is the key um, to, to life, how we respond. I, I, I always ask God to help me. My children were very um, instrumental in developing my life, my, my family, in terms of my character, my nature. As my wife, you can talk to my wife, I was, it was a headache in the beginning. <laughs> but God used them to mold me, to change me. Because I was, I, I, was, I was an emotional wreck when I met Jesus Christ, emotionally unstable. And so I was always in reactive mode. Just react, blow up. <laughs> and, until I the Lord and the Spirit worked in my life again to come and I realized I had an issue and I wanted to be more like Christ. I wanted to not react, but learn how to respond. How to respond, how to slow down and be patient and, and work through those emotions and take them 
take control of them, but trusting in God and responding in a way that brings forth life. I'm still on that journey, but I'm doing a lot better. What do you think, baby? I'm doing okay? She's still with me. I said she knows me, and yet she, she still loves me. Woo, yeah. Transition, the process of adapting to change. Now, now in transition, I'm going to pull out some more scriptures here from Joshua's story. But, but transition, the, the undergirding truth, uh, principle for transition is having a value system. It's your morals, your beliefs that shapes your thoughts and your actions and your behavior. So you got to have a value system. It's the foundation for transition. And so I'm going to ask three questions regarding the value system this morning that we're building life on. How to have a healthy transition. How to have a healthy transition. Trust in God. Trust in the presence of God. And trust in his opinion of you. Trust in God. Trust in the presence of God and trust in his opinion of you. And this is what God talked about in, in Joshua chapter 1. God empowers us and equips us for seasons of transition. He empowers us and equips us. Wherever God guides, he provides. I mean, throughout the scriptures, wherever he guides, he provides. This is why he dealt with Abram and Sarah. They tried to make things happen in their own strength and their own power. And God pulled them aside and said, you need to know something about my nature and my character. I am El Shaddai. I'm more than enough. Not only have I spoken a vision into your heart, but I'll give you the provision for it to come to place. You don't have to strive it in your own strength. You can be still and know that I'm God. Oh, I'm almost I'm getting to that place, Andrew, preaching to myself, mate. <laughs> Praise God. So I got three probing questions that we should ask ourselves in order to remain encouraged and connected during seasons of transition. Three important questions. Number one, who is God? Who is God to you? Who is God according to the Bible, according to the scriptures? I mean, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, I think it's verse 6, that uh, without faith it's impossible to please God, that those who come to him must believe that he exists and he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. So when you diligently see God, he rewards you. And what does he reward you with? He rewards you with a revelation of who he is. That is the greatest reward, is knowing God. That is, that is God's ultimate desire, that we would know him. And he puts himself on display in circumstances and difficulties and challenges that we go through life. God desires to show himself, the eternal one, the self-existing one, the self-sustaining one, the self-revealing one, the holy of holy, transcendent, eminent. God himself wants to make himself known to us. What a privilege. What a privilege. It's of his good pleasure, he says. It is out of his good pleasure that we know him. That is his will. And God puts himself on display. And most of the time it's through difficulties and challenges. He asked the children of Israel when they went through the wilderness. The main reason for them to go through that wilderness is that they would get to know God. Oh, you got a need? I'm Jehovah Jireh. You need water? I'll provide it. You need food? I'll provide it. You need victory in battles? I'll provide it. I'm Jehovah Lord of hosts, the Jehovah Zeboth. So God 
allows us to go to situ situations in life in order that he will show himself and reveal himself. He's Jehovah, the self-existing one who reveals himself. He's the was, the I, and the is to come. He's about showing off, showing himself. Amen? So who is God? Verse 3. Let's listen to this. Every place that the sole of your foot would tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. So who is God? One of the greatest characteristics of God is that he's faithful. God is faithful to his word. God is faithful. He's loyal. He can be trusted. The Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. That's one thing he cannot do. He cannot lie. God is faithful to his promises, faithful to his, his work and his, his nature, his character and his attributes. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 said, if you, if you die with him, you shall reign with him. I think it's, if, if, you, um, if you suffer with him, you shall endure with him. If you deny him, he will deny you. If you are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. God cannot deny the nature and the character of who he is. God is faithful. Let me read something to you from um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, chapter 7, verse 9 through 11, when God was speaking to the children of Israel. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because of the Lord's love, because, but because of the Lord's love, uh, loves you, and because he kept the oath which he swore to his fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the house of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So God said it. It's not because you're big in number, not because you're wealthy, not because you got a high IQ or intellect, not because everything is going well in your life. He said, he said I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm who I am because of my love that I have towards you. So God is God of love, but he said, I'm faithful to the promise that I made to Abraham, Isaac, and J Jacob. God is faithful to his word. He's faithful. Not because of anything we have to do with it, not because of our works. That's his nature. He's faithful. He can be relied upon. He can be trusted. And that's where we grab our confidence from knowing that God is faithful. So first point, God is faithful, self-sustaining, self-revealing. He's the eternal God. Where, my second question, where is God? Where is God? I mean, Jesus asked that question and, 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 and put it another way when he hung on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's taking it from Psalm 22, which is a messianic psalm that David talked about. David wrote the psalm, speaking of Jesus Christ, and uh, uh, the words of Jesus Christ used at the cross when he was, went, went to the cross. So, so there are times in life where we feel as though God is nowhere to be seen. There are times when difficulties and challenges, when pain and suffering. I ask that question quite often. Where is God? Where are you, Lord? And you need to know, you need to know the right answer to that question. You need to know the right answer to that question because, because when you go into difficulties and challenges, it doesn't mean that God is not there. He's there. Look what he says to Joshua in verse 5. No man should be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Where is God? There's, there's two theological views of, of, uh, of God, of the, of the nature of God. God is transcendent. Now, he, he transcends. He's above all, over all. He, his, his throne room is, uh, Psalm 103 says that, that he established his throne in heaven and his dominion is over all the earth. So God is transcendent. He's above all. He's all powerful. He's sovereign. He, can, he controls it all. He's the master of the universe. He put it all together. And yet the same God who has all that power, who's on the outside, is on the inside. He's a part of history. He's imminent. So he's transcendent, but he's imminent. He's near. And God's heart's desire was to always be with his people. Never to leave us alone. Um, let me read the scripture in the Amplifier. Uh, what I just read, and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Because it's mentioned in Deuteronomy 31, twice. It's mentioned here. And it's mentioned in Hebrews, chapter, the right of Hebrews, mentioned in, in Hebrews chapter 13. Let me read it to you in an amplifier, in, 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 in greater expression of words to, to, the, to this particular scripture. For God, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 to 6, amplifier. For God has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you nor give you up, leave you without support, nor will any degree leave you helpless, nor would I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you, or surely not. Ah, that's the kind of God you worship. That's the God we were singing to this morning. That's the God we pray to. That's the God we enjoy life, doing life together. That's the God that we give our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our soul to. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, there are times when I feel like God is nowhere to be found. But David cried out, oh, soul, why are you so disquieted in me? Put your hope in God. And one of the greatest ways to get reconnected with God when it seems as though God is so far away, in that same Psalm 22 when he said, God, my God, why are you forsaking me? But he goes on in verse 3, but God. You are the Holy One enthroned in the praises of your people. You want God to show up, want God to sense the presence of God. When you're going to a difficult and challenging time, start praising him. Praising him from the heart. Begin to worship him and, and to sing those songs to him. Begin to adore him and to, to speak of his greatness, of his goodness. He shows up. He enthrones you. You're actually giving God the opportunity, the, the, content, the consentment, to consent to come in and be a part of that situation that you find yourself in. That's why it's always good to praise him, to know something about God. He inhabits the praises of his people. Oh, glory to God. There have been some dark moments in my life, some trying times. But what I do is I just go and I start singing my songs. It gave me a, a repertoire of songs. That's why I love singing. I sing to the Lord. Songs about his nature and his character and his attributes. And all of a sudden, I, I sense his presence. I can feel him swelling up inside of me, coming on top, coming over me. And I, and I know everything is going to be okay because God is there sustaining me. He's undergirding me. And you've got you to practice it. You've got to put it into, put your faith in action. When you feel like he's nowhere to be found, just get into the Psalms and read about his goodness and his greatness. Read about how he's moved with compassion. Read about in Hebrews chapter 4 when he said that he can sympathize with everything that you go through, yet he's without sin. He's a sinless one who can sympathize with what you go through. And he also say, because he sympathized and went to the Father and poured his blood out for us, that you can come with a confidence, with boldness, with fearlessness to his presence and, and, and seek grace and mercy in the time of help and need. Oh, glory to God. Can you feel him pulling you to him now, right now? He, he's, he's magnetic. 
His love is magnetic. It, it just draws you. Blessed is the man who, in person, and woman who God calls and, and causes to approach him. He causes us to approach him. God wants us near to him. Near. Near to him. Where is God? God is near. The same God, he, he, he spoke to in, in Joshua chapter 1, he said, he's the same God. The same God as with Moses. I'm the same God of power, the miraculous one, the eternal one, supernatural one. I mean, read Moses' life and see how God worked in his life. And that same God is with you today, with us today. The same God is active today. He hasn't changed. I'm the Lord God. I change it not. I'm the same today, yesterday, forever. Now his methods, the way he operates changes, but, but his nature and his character and attributes, they don't change. So, so guess what? My experience does not define the nature and the character of God. God is independent of what I go through in life. Sometimes we find ourselves, we pray for about something, and we know that God has the power to do something about it, but we don't get that answer. We, we say, well, maybe God is not in that healing. He's not healing today. We, we change the nature of God through our experiences. That's, not, that's wrong. God is independent of our experiences. He's still a healer, even though he may not heal. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Our God is one. So where is God? Where is God? Same God that was with Moses. The same God that was with Mary and told Mary not to worry. That one is you in you is the Holy, born of you of the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. Trust me. And she said, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. She humbled herself under the mighty hand of God and God propelled her and lifted her up in due time. <clears throat> Glory to God. Where is God? Throughout the Psalms, a lot of Psalms of David's Psalms, when David was running from Saul, who was out to kill him, when he was running from his son, his son Absalom, who wanted to take over his authority and his kingship, David many times wrote Psalms about how he felt so isolated and so alone from God and God's people. Where is God? Where is God in all the chaos in the world today? COVID-19 and, and the problems that it's caused. Where's God in, 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 in America where the, the shootings that are taking, mass shootings taking place? Where's God? God is, he's there. He's there. He's there. He's in it. He's using it. He's in it. God is a part of history. God's purposes will be fulfilled. We live in a sin-filled world. All of us are wounded and broken individuals. And yet God is putting us together again. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king horses and all the king men couldn't put Humpty together again. But Jesus can. Yeah. I was Humpty Dumpty one time. But Jesus can put you back together again. He's in the fix your business. Whatever's been broken in your life, God is able to restore it. He's able to reclaim it. He's able to redeem it. He's able to rebuild it. Whatever's broken in your life, he's able. God has ability. He's able. I believe it and I stand upon that. He's a chain-breaking king. Ah, mighty deliverer. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. I have moments where I just have to have a praise moment. <laughs> the Bible talks about it because it's Selah. When you read the Psalms, you see Selah because you read something that touched you. You got to take a pause. You got to stop right there because... It's just so good. It's a taste and see that the Lord is good. 
That's a praise moment. Hallelujah, God. Thank you. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your workings. Thank you for your power. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for such a time as this that you're at work. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless you, God. Bless you, God. Thank you, Lord. Worship you, spirit and in truth. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can't thank you enough for who you are and what you've done to us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless you, God. Where is God? Heaven is his throne room. Earth is his footstool. Where is God? God is at work. And, and what we need to be asking is, God, open up my eyes that I can see you at work. Jesus said, my father's working. Up until this day, my father's at work. And I'm doing the works of my father because he's revealed them and shown them to me. And, and God wants us to have our eyes and ears open to hear his voice and to see what he is doing. And that we can partner with him and join with him and live in peace. God is at work. God is at work. And I know sometimes it's hard to see God working with all the chaos and the, and the madness and the pain and the suffering. It's hard to see God, but, but, but God is in it. He's here. He's here. Thank you, Lord. And my last question. So who is God? Get to know who God is. And in the one of the greatest ways is through the word of God, through the spirit of God revealing the word, but it's through Jesus Christ, who's a visible image of the invisible God. Get to know Jesus, you get to know the Father. Get to know Jesus, you get to know the Father. He, the Bible said that he, he dwelt among them. He, the, the, the apostle said, he dwelt among us. He tabernacled with us. How the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Isn't that wonderful? The balance of grace and truth. Not just truth, because truth without grace kills. It's legalistic. It's self-righteous. But man, when you get a bit of grace up in there with that thing, ah. <laughs> Ooh, got a nice blend. A balance of life and hope. So, who is God? Where is God? My last question. These are the values that you need to stand upon and questions you need to ask as you go to transition and get the right answers to transition well. Who are you? Who are you? Verse 6, verse 7, and verse 9. I'm going to read them again. Be strong and be of good courage, for to this people you shall divide the inheritance of the land which I swore to your, their fathers for swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from the, to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Three times. He encouraged the people to be strong and courageous. In fact, in Deuteronomy 31, he mentioned it twice. So five times God mentions to be strong and courageous. Boldness. Fearlessness. That's what we need in life. That's what we need in, in fulfilling the purposes and the will of God. And you're not going to find that within yourself. 
You're not going to find it within yourself. You find it in Jesus Christ. Relying upon Jesus. The Bible talks about be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Courageous, boldness. This is one area that we as believers of God need to know that we have a boldness. The Holy Spirit gives boldness to us in order to live out the truth of God. To, to express that truth. To not be ashamed of who you are. We're we living in a culture, a relative culture. This, this is what I say. Uh, living truth in a relative culture. It's a conflict. It's very tense these days, what's going on today, because it's, it's so secularized and, so, and relativism is running wild. If my truth is whatever I feel like my truth should be, and I'm going to accept it, and you've got to believe in my truth and accept my truth. If not, you're a bigot and you're a racist and you're prejudiced and, 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 and counsel you and, and get rid of you. And, and so we go quiet in this culture. But, but, but God said, be strong and courageous. Be fearless. Live out your truth. This is who you are. How can you be anything different? They're trying to tell you to be something different than who you are. One thing about Christianity, Christianity is relational. It's, it's not a religion per se. It's a relationship with God. And when God gets a hold of you, he changes you into a new creation. So you're telling me not to be who I am. This is who I am. Ah, I'm living out who I am. I'm living out my truth in life. That is our quest. That is our, our, our mandate. I mean, God commanded it to be strong and courageous. And, 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 and courageous and being strong and courageous is not the absence of fear. It's what happens in the, in the midst of fear. We choose to be bold. We choose to be bold in spite of the consequences that may come. In spite of what people may say about us, in spite of the isolation and being marginalized and being talked about and not being popular anymore. No, I'm going to be strong and courageous. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to put my truth on because my truth has set me free. This reality that I have in Jesus has liberated me, has delivered me from sin and the power of death, that I have eternal life, that I'm going to live forever. And it's empowered me in how I do life. Christianity for me. It's the only religion that answers the question who God is and what he's like. No other religion answers that question effectively like Christianity. But it also answers the question of who am I and why am I here? It gives answers to those questions that every one of us wants to answer to. Christianity gives effective answers, efficient answers to those questions. So live out your truth. Be strong. Be bold. For the Lord thy God is with you. You know that song? I've really come out with a song in a little while. <laughs> be strong. Be bold. For the Lord thy God is with you. Be strong. Be courageous. Young people, independent thought and critical thinking is necessary. Don't let anyone rip you off from critical thinking and independent thought. And it's just our culture is trying to take that away from our young people. You got to believe this because we have said this and you got to accept it. No, we don't. Does it line up with truth? Does it line up with Jesus? Because my truth is a person. Jesus said, I am <laughs> the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Listen to that statement. That, that, that is an extreme statement. This is another extreme. Where no one can come unto the Father except by me. That's extreme. Christianity has extremes. Did you know Christianity is, is, is inclusive? and yet exclusive, and we're trying to include and bring everybody in without being changed and transformed and be a part of this thing, that's not how it works. He's inclusive and exclusive. I'll give you a scripture, John 3, 16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Inclusive. But who shall ever believe in him shall not perish or have everlasting life. Exclusive. It's both. And we got to be very careful in the, in the culture that we're living in because it's, it's subtle deceit that's taking place. And the church has been bombarded. It's almost been forced to change and to accept this new philosophy, this new mandate of relativism and secularism. And we bring it into him. We get so confused because we pull away from the truth. And we open ourselves up for deception and for lies. The Bible tells me and says to us that the, the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. What is this, what is this, what is this sway? It's deception. Lies. He's a liar. That's all he can do is lie. Lie, lie, lie. And our media, don't get me started here this morning. <laughs> but media, social media, media, the, 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 the foundation of information is so tainted with lies and deception. And it's corrupting us, particularly our young people. And if you don't get into the word and get to know your truth, you're going to be confused. You're going to accept those lies. That's why the word is so important. It's, it's good. To, it, I, I watch news, and what I do, when I go hear something on news, I go pull this out. Let's align itself with this. Because I want to think biblically. I want a biblical worldview. I want a biblical worldview. If God said it, that settles it. I may not understand and fool it, but God has said it. I'm standing on what God said. I don't want to cross the line. I don't want to give in to lies and deceit. I, I, I honor God. I'm getting off a little bit, but been strong and courageous. But this truth thing, that you know that you, can, you cannot separate God from, his, from his, his word. God and his word are one. So you can't go and say, well, I love God, but I don't like his word. I love God, but I don't read and study his word. Because God and his word are one. Jesus, in John chapter 1, said, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And it said that he was light, and this light was the life of men. And darkness cannot comprehend. And then when I talked about how the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Revelation said, when I saw him on the horse, he had on his thigh written, the word of God. He's the word. So the word and God are one. And so you got to love God and his word. you got to accept him at his word. And that's where that faithfulness comes into play. One of the, one of the characteristics, I, I, um, the, the blessings I got when, um, when I was born again, and I, I kind of believe this, is, this should happen to every believer who authentically and genuinely born again, is that I got a hunger for God. When you get born again, you get a hunger for God. I, before, I, before I asked Jesus to come into my life, I didn't want anything to do with God. I was incarcerated in prison. Incarcerated in prison. Scared, scared to death. I was scared. I was, I was busted, disgusted, and couldn't be trusted. I go to a church service and hear someone's story about Jesus Christ, how he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son to Father. And there's an unconditional love. And when I started hearing about this unconditional love, my heart began to beat because that's what I was longing for. I wanted people to love me as a drug addict, 
to accept me in my pain and my suffering, not to push me away and discard me and marginalize me, but to, to, to love me unconditionally. And when I heard that God does that, that, that resonated, that spoke volumes to me. And I come running to the Lord Jesus Christ and I accept him as my Savior and my Lord. And I go back to my cell block because the, the person who led me to the Lord at that church service said, you need to read the word of God. And look, I didn't feel anything different when I accepted Jesus in my life. I stood there, I asked Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I go back to my jail cell and I get on my knees and I start reading his word and I start to cry. I never forget this. It was one of the most defining moments in my life. It was a supernatural moment. I started to cry because I got to Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus, and I could not pronounce some of the names. And I'm 30 years old and I cried. And I realized he came into my heart because I had a hunger for God. My prayer was, God, if you want me to know you, you got to show me your word. You got to teach me your word. You got to help me with this thing. And I, at that moment, I realized God is in my life. Now, my world didn't change on the I was still incarcerated. I still had the history, the things that were going, I had to deal with or what have you. I was dealing with the consequences. But in here, there was a change. I was liberated. I was full of the love of God, the acceptance of his righteousness to become a new creation. And I began to move. That was 1987. I'm still moving in that today. But my point was, there's a hunger for God. You got to have a hunger for God. You got to stir up your hunger again. If, if you, if you, because... We as individuals, our identity, let me, let me, let me share, I'll finish on this here, on our identity. One of the most appalling tragedies in life, uh, um, in life is humanity deceived to believe that identity is something you build. We weren't created to build an identity, we were created to receive an identity. Did you get that? Now John 1.12 says, as many as receive him, he gave them the authority to be called the children of God. Talk to me, brother. As many as believe on his name. So identity is something you receive. We're running around trying to build it through our works, through our popularity, through our looks, through, through all these other means, trying to get approval, become popular, to feel like somebody. I got to have the right job. I got to be around the right people in order to be identified as, as somebody with purpose and significance. No, it's something you receive, and you receive from God. He gives us identity. I mean, go back to the very beginning. In Abraham, I mean, not Abraham, Adam and Eve, before they sinned, the Bible said they were naked and not ashamed. That's not just physical. That's spiritual. That's emotional. That's mental. They didn't have any flaws. Whatever flaws they had, it was okay. Adam can look and say to Eve, I'm okay because you're okay. And you know why they were okay? And their uniqueness and their differences, because they were under God's. They were under God. Their, their righteousness, their, their identity came from God. They were an umbrella of the love of God. And they, they didn't feel any shame. They wasn't disgraced. There was no guilt. Everything was okay until they sinned. And the Bible said when they sinned, they realized they were naked. Something was wrong with them, and they went to wear masks. They tried to build their identity through their own works. And we're still doing that today. We're still wearing masks. We don't want to be real about who we really are. We don't want anyone to see that because it brings shame and it brings guilt. And we try to hide that as best as possible. But I tell you, there's someone named Jesus Christ who has come to take away the guilt and the shame and to give us new identities. And we can rest in that and grow in that and develop in that and prosper in who he said that we are. I'm a new creation.
I'm a brand new man. Old things that pass away, I'm born again. More than a conqueror, that's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things I pass away. I'm born again. More than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory. Give God some glory in this house. Come on. Let's thank God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So in your season of transition, in your season of transition, ask those questions that brings encouragement when you get the answers to them. Who is God while I'm going through this? Because the key is for a healthy transition, the key is to trust God and his presence. That's all you need, to trust God for who he is and his presence that he's with you. So who are you, God? Where are you, God? And who am I? Get those together and you'll get to transition quite well because it's a part of the development and the maturity. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this, this time, this, a moment of, of worship and praise and adoration to you. And we want to just give you the glory and give you the honor. We pray for those, all of us in this house today, Father, that your word would not fall on deaf ear, but it bring forth fruit a hundredfold, Lord God. Holy Spirit, that you would come and, and transform us and, and help us to see where we may be gone astray or help us in, a, in, a, in those areas of weariness and tiredness, that you would refresh us and renew us, Lord God, and so we could be flourishing and have a zeal, that same zeal that Jesus had, we can have that kind of zeal for our lives. So we thank you for filling us afresh to overflow, and we give you the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for the opportunity.